Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So I'm super excited to to release this episode because this is someone that I've wanted to get on for quite a while because of the amazing work that she does. So today's guest is Alex Light. Alex is at Alex Light underscore LDN on Instagram. So Alex has over 260,000 followers on Instagram and the work that she does is absolutely incredible. She has battled her own eating disorder um, she battles and puts out amazing content for body confidence, kind of anti-diet, helping women feel good about their bodies. And that's super, super important for me who's someone that mainly works with girls on a daily basis. She has a column as well and is the host of the Light Show podcast, which which is incredible. Some of the guests she's had on, like seriously, it's, it's, it's nuts. But this is a really, really important episode, I think, for a lot of people to hear because I think eating disorders are a lot more common than we think. And I think it, it needs to something needs to change something with the education or something needs to be changed with with the regulation. And I think this is why I want to get Alex on. So before I go into the podcast, this episode is sponsored by Let's Get Checked. So what Let's Get Checked offer you are home kits to get your bloods done. So rather than going to the GP where they will stick a needle into your arm. And if you don't like needles, it's not ideal. So this will get if you book in your kit. The kit will be sent to you the next day, hopefully, um, and then you can take your home kit by pricking your finger. The kits can be done for vitamin D, iron testing, male hormones, female hormones, um, and they're they're incredible. I've used them myself, and I wouldn't put my name to anything with with out actually having used the product themselves and i've got my results i get my my results done every kind of three to six months and they're incredible it cuts out the middleman it saves you a trip to gp especially when the gps aren't seeing uh, patients at the minute on due to, uh, unfortunately due to the circumstances so they're with all full disclosure i do have an affiliate link so if you, at your checkout if you type in swf into your checkout you will get a 30 percent discount so i hope you guys enjoy the episode this is incredible uh alex has been i'm so so grateful for alex's time so without further ado the next episode of the shane walsh fitness podcast hey alex how are we thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me i'm really excited to be here we were talking off air about kind of the lockdown and stuff like that and you've just blown up over over lockdown and stuff like that the amount of eyes and stuff on your social media but the message that alex puts out is one that i when i was kind of doing the research and stuff like that the the message that i just it, it hit home because I think mainly working with females and stuff like that, it, it's incredible. But I'm going to let Alex do most of the talking today rather than me. So Alex, can you tell us your story and how you kind of got into this whole realm, your whole journey, and um, give as much information as you want or don't want to give? Yeah, cool. Um, so basically, I'm a journalist um, by profession and I was working at Hello Magazine. Um, I started there, I think 11 years ago and I was doing fashion and beauty, um, writing about fashion and beauty. And I just started to put some stuff on Instagram, like my outfits or like beauty products that I've been sent. Um, and I kind of got, it was like the early days of Instagram where you grew like that, like you grew so quickly and you barely had to put out like any content and the content was crap, but you just like gained loads of followers. Um, so I got a bit of a following. I got like 40,000 followers and I was doing it and I started to get more kind of professional about it, but I realized that it just, I kind of hit a point where I realized that it really wasn't like, 
working for me and I hate to, to say like it sounds so cliche to say like it wasn't fulfilling but it wasn't and that was because in the background what was going on was I was suffering from an eating disorder um and it was really bad and I'd gotten to a really bad place and it was all consuming and it was had taken over my entire life and all my thoughts and everything and it felt so disingenuous to be putting out this kind of content about like here are my new boots when in the background I was dealing with so much stuff um so I thought about it for a while I really like weighed up the pros and cons of doing it but I sort of thought I was I would dip my toe into you know sort of writing about and maybe opening up about my journey and what I was going through which was kind of a big deal for me because I'd been so secretive about my eating disorder like nobody knew nobody knew my mum knew and that was it like my sisters and my dad knew but I never talked to them about it because I was so private and so secretive but for some reason and I can't really still put my finger on it it felt right to do it and to to open up on like because I had a platform and the response was like overwhelmingly positive and like I realized within you know a few hours of putting up my first post that so many women <laughs> go through some this stuff like to to you know certain degrees like it's all you know on a spectrum and some women suffer only a little bit and and you know but it was something that we actually just don't talk about and especially on Instagram people weren't talking about it it was full of like really glossy aesthetically pleasing images with like short succinct captions um and nothing really like thought-provoking or vulnerable so it went from there really and I shared my recovery um what was you know, going on with me and behind the scenes. And as I was going through my recovery and working with a therapist, I started to learn about diet culture. And and then I really did some research into it. And it kind of like lit a fire in me because it got me really at first, it, it really made me angry, like to really delve into diet culture and learn what it is and realize how much that had contributed to my eating disorder and my self esteem and my body image. Um, and it lit this fire in me and I was like I don't want women unnecessarily suffering like I have done for so long for something that and we'll get into diet culture but for something that really isn't real um, and it's so unfair <laughs> it's just there's no there's there's no end to it there's no end point and it's just it's something designed to keep us sort of on the hamster wheel um, so so yeah, my content kind of, it really does come from that place. I don't want people, and I say women, I, I do I do mean men as well. I guess it's hard because the, like the vast majority of my following is women. I think it's 95% um, is women. Oh, wow. I, I, but I, I, you know, disclaimer, like men really do struggle with body image as well. I guess my content is just not really targeted, you know, for them. But there are some people who are doing amazing things in that space. But um I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, so it's it's for, that is what my content is for. That is what my objective is to help women to feel better about their body because the reasons that they don't feel good about their body in general um, are not real and not fair and come from a patriarchal system that um, has dictated how we should think and feel and, um, you know, and dictated that we feel bad about ourselves.
So yeah, that was a long way of saying that I do. What were the signs? That you... Stuff on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what were the signs for yourself that you kind of recognized that you potentially had an eating disorder? Because I've had a couple of people on from like one of the PTs that I used to work with is so open about hers and Vicky has spoken about hers so openly. And as you said, there's a spectrum of it. Mm. There are different levels of severity Mm. and stuff like that. What was the big sign for yourself and what were your steps to kind of recover? Um, As you spoke, your mom was aware of it, but I know from talking to other people who have had going into the kind of the recovery side of things there it's almost like a shame thing that they don't want to look after themselves they don't want to be a burden to other people yeah i i don't know because i haven't i'm I'm very fortunate not to have had that but what were the signs that kind of brought you into kind of getting help yeah and and um this is a difficult one and, and one that i get asked a lot as well is like how do i know is it just disordered eating or is it eating disorder do i have a a real problem um and i think that if anyone is suffering they deserve help right so i'm going to start with that because my i guess my circumstances were quite extreme so i don't want people to listen and think well i'm not as bad as her so i don't deserve help because i think if anyone's if if it's taking up mental if it's taking up you know your mental capacity and affecting your life i think you need or and you deserve help right um for me it really i mean it when I tell you it was my entire life, it was my entire life. So originally, and I kind of been been through a few like iterations of my eating disorder. So it's quite complicated. It started off as as disordered eating, and then developed into anorexia, which is when I sought help, sought professional help. Um, but I just it got to a point where I just wasn't eating at all. I was living on like boiled sweets. Um, like literally the entire day just boiled sweets and I was obviously getting thinner and thinner and thinner and it's it was my entire it took up my entire life I really lost my social life I was doing the bare minimum at work I was literally just trying to get through the day I don't know how I kept my job like in hindsight looking back I'm really not sure how I managed to keep my job um I you know I was in a relationship at that point but it massively suffered of course um as a result of it um and it's, sorry I'm getting like sidetracked but but th- that were like th- those were the the signs that I really really needed help and that's how I kind of I knew I had an eating disorder and I was I was too ashamed really to tell anyone it took my mum coming to me and saying like this is a real problem we need to sort you out and when she did that, you know, she she actually came in. I was visiting them in Cyprus. My mum and dad live in Cyprus. Um, and I'd been in the shower and I just caught a glimpse of my body and I was I just broke down and I was just, you know, sobbing. And my mum had caught me at that moment, which was horrible at the time, but actually in hindsight was brilliant because I think she really was able to see that God she needs help. Um but it was so scary opening up to someone because I had just never, I was, eating disorders are, sh- are like shrouded in so much shame and stigma and people still believe that they're, you know, for reasons of vanity rather than a genuine mental mental illness and mental health disorder. Um, so yeah, it, it 
took a, a lot to open up about it and it was really hard um but yeah that's that's how I knew I needed help like I I, I needed intervention really ASAP Thank you for being so open and honest about your story, by the way. I can see from talking to you for that it, it is it, it is part of you. It is it is it has been it has been part of your life and it's it can be emotional and stuff like that. So thank you so much for being so open about it. Um and parents yeah. do know best. It's funny how uh, we're, we push them away but like they're like, Nope, you need you need to get something. So yeah. Totally. From, from my own story, that it that yeah. yeah it they you yeah. should really listen to them. Um, sure. Do you think enough is being done out there to protect both men and women from that kind of societal norm, or as we see it as a societal norm, from like the likes of like the editing photos, social media, journalism, the the likes of yeah, just getting likes on a on a on a post or anything like that? And what would you bring in, or what would you change to kind of if it if if it's if something isn't being done? So I don't know if you've um, heard about the new bill um, that Dr. Luke Evans is trying to pass to make all photos that have been edited um, to to, to give them a a watermark so that everyone can see that they've been edited. Um, And I I actually I was on BBC News talking about this, actually, because I think it's such a good and amazing initiative. And I don't know if it's going to get passed because it's such a difficult thing to police and implement so I'm not entirely sure it's got legs but I think it's and it would be so so excellent because the younger generation is really suffering as a result of social media and I know that we kind of were used to people saying that and we're like yeah yeah, yeah sure like whatever but it's real and it's really really happening and suicide rates are higher than ever in young people and um you know mental health is worse than ever and a lot of this is is due to I mean we consume social media all day long like that's just a fact of our lives now whether we like it or not that's how it goes especially for young people it's constant um and they're seeing all these images and you know not just images but seeing all these squares that is someone's you know like snapshots tiny little snapshots of someone's life and we're humans we're hardwired for comparison so immediately you know we compare ourselves to not just people's bodies and or people's faces or people's skin but people's lives as well and that comparison inevitably is you know leading to feelings of inadequacy and there there isn't really much I don't think that we can do about comparing to other people's lives but to people's bodies and to people's faces like we can do something like this could really really help if if I was you know back when I was consuming um you know really edited my feed was full of people who edited their photos really heavily and it was super curated there was nothing vulnerable raw unfiltered on there um if I had seen those pictures and and seen a little watermark that said edited beside them that would have meant all the difference to me right I could immediately take that picture in and see it for what it was just pretty picture that's been made to look like a pretty picture rather than someone's reality which is what I assumed it was and instantly compared myself to that so I think this is honestly such a good initiative and I really hope and I'm actually I'm I'm planning on working with Dr Luke Evans to see how we can push it further 
um, and see if there's uh, it's, it's it's got a second reading. So the first bill's been passed. Um, so I am working with him to see if there's anything we can do to try and, and and get more support for it because I think it'll just make a huge difference. It's it's divisive. I know that people have a lot of opinions on it, and it's definitely you know people have mixed feelings about it. Um, but I'm all for it. I don't know what you think about it, but. Uh, I think whatever anything has is always a positive. They can't have a positive without a negative. Right. If you know what I mean. And I right. think I think with social media, there has to be something to do with the policing of it because mm. there are unrealistic expectations on people. It doesn't matter what age they are, but in particular, the teens yeah. who are spending more time on doing TikTok. Yeah. I'm too old for TikTok, so I don't use it. Um, there's There needs to be some policing yeah. in relation to like with the watermark and the likes of yourself and Haley, who we spoke about off air, Haley Madigan, who has been on the podcast, yeah. uh, are doing incredible work to do that. What can be done is the watermark. But as you said, it's very, very difficult to, mm-hmm. to police it because some people are relying on social media as an income and that is their livelihood. So for them to potentially say, this isn't the real me or this is, an edited version of me may have an impact on those so there is a negative to it but personally I do think something needs to be done because even myself I do a social media audit probably probably every quarter because if you I don't know what it's called I don't know the lingo on Instagram but if you go onto like the the squares page you can filter that because if I look at it or if I had looked at it it would literally be ripped lads or girls with big bums or quads right because I'm in the fitness realm yeah so you can you can edit that. You can police it yourself. Yeah. We may not have to rely on government welfare to do it, but you also mm-hmm. have to want to do it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because I don't think a lot of people a lot of people are just it's such a habit at this stage. This yeah. this thumb movement. People are just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling endlessly. People are unhappy where they are at that at, and they're comparing themselves to others. Yeah. And it has to potentially look a little bit deeper inside and say right what do I want to do for my body? Where am I at with my mental health? Where am I at with my own, I don't know, journey. It could be a fitness journey, any journey. It could be like a work thing, whatever yeah. quadrant people want to fall into. But something has to be done. Um, what that is, I don't know. I think the with Dr. Evans's uh, initiative, I think that's the start. Mm. But I think then it has to be a next level up because I think there should be a cap on it maybe for people or not to be on social media before a certain age. I mean that would be amazing, yeah. That would be so but, good. But like, parent had the parents have to do something about it as well. I know, and that's the thing because it's, and I totally agree with you. I think, and I encourage everyone to curate their social media feed. Like you said, if you're listening to this, take a look at who you're following. Ask if they're bringing any value to you or your life, or are they causing inadequacy and and making you feel bad? The problem is that young people you know 14 15 year old kids who are joining social media don't have that level of understanding and maturity really to to look and and think oh this is doing me harm I need to unfollow these people you know that comes with age and um, and maturity so I think yeah I mean I think it would be amazing to at least or at least cap what they can see on there 
but it would be so difficult. Yeah, or else. It's the Wild West on Instagram, on social yeah. media. It really is. There's there's hardly any rules or regulations or guidelines in, in place, as you see with trolling. So it's, yeah. I don't think it's Instagram's yeah. um, priority, let's just say, you know. No, no, and if you've seen and if you've seen the, the the documentary on Netflix about the I think it's Facebook and all that kind of stuff, social what dilemma. they are yeah. doing with selling the information. Yeah, yeah. If you've watched Social Dilemma, you're going to understand what their priority is at the minute. Um, money, but it it money and speaks, and that's, and that's the problem. Yeah, that will always be. It's a company that's that's always going to be their their priority, but. There is so much that they, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's a whole other topic of conversation. But some of their, you know, they they do not protect their community at all. No, and I think it's because you're putting so much information into their their kind of system, and then they're going off and selling it on you. Yeah. Um, and there has to be some ethical or moral compass that has to come into play. Like yeah. Zuckerberg has been brought in in front of the government over in the states. And I remember you can see it in the social dilemma that one guy is like, I, I, I'm going to be dead in like 30 years, but I don't want to be here for this. Yeah, I know. It's time and like I, when he said that, I was like, shit, that was like almost like a mic drop moment and just leave the building. I know it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Like goosebumps. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. 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 Um, we could talk about social dilemma all day. I could go off on a rant about it as well. I know. But, I'm still like, um, like my yeah. my thoughts on it really because I feel like it's stuff that I already knew, but seeing it all together like that, like it, all the evidence presented all in one like that, all in an hour or whatever it was, is is really scary. And the 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 dopamine hit thing, like I, I am an absolute sucker for that, and it happens with likes and followers as well I know that's not cool to admit but it does it absolutely does like that is you know also like gives you this like it, it lights up the reward center right when a post is doing really well and you're getting loads of likes on it and it you know it's it's it we do live in a scary world I think but I think the more we understand yeah, it, think, and, yeah. you know learn about yeah, it I think, I think the better equipped we are for handling it yeah, I think I think people like yourself and other people out there are, are doing amazing work. And I think it's it just going to take potentially a little bit more time, but something needs to be a bill or a legislation needs to be brought in quite soon in order for it to be taken a bit, a little bit more seriously. And potentially if people are selling or companies are selling off information, some sort of financial thing needs to be brought in, but it's not like a slap in the hand. Yeah, It's not like when... Like I'll compare it to football. So when the football teams have to earn a certain amount of money, they can't overspend their money. They'll get a fine if they overspend their budget by a certain amount. That's yeah. a slap on the wrist. They don't yeah. mind. They're like, you know, I'll pay this X amount of million yeah. just to buy X amount of players because I know I'll win the trophies. It's not going to be a small amount. It has to be something in the billions. It has to be something that's going to hit their profit line hard. I didn't know that. And that's when they'll before. speak up and say. There you go. Yeah, so like the likes of like I know I think Aston Villa would be the one who are like they've spent like a hundred million last year. And if they had got relegated, they would have had to sell a serious amount of players in order to keep financial fee for FFP or financial fair play. I think it's what it's called. Oh, you go. Um, you learn something. Yeah, there's right? a few clubs at Man City even here. Okay. There you go. Who <laughs> thought we talk about football? 
Um, but I agree with you. I totally agree with you. You have... Yeah, like something has to be done. It cannot be a slap on the wrist. Yeah. It's it, it just it can't be a, a drop in the ocean. It has to literally hit them hard. Yeah. Or else they have to declare how much information they are selling off and something has to be brought in because I think that in America the information on like GDPR is really, really dated. Right. Um so the legislation needs to be brought up. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. That is the only problem. I don't know if, if there's teams out there. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a person to comment on that. Right. Um, you've spoken about diet culture. Diet culture is your, is your big topic that you like to talk about. Um, as someone who works in the fitness industry and helps people to get in shape and stuff like that, this is one of these eye-opening topics. I, when I was doing the research for this, I, I knew about diet culture and knew the pros and cons to it. Mm. Um, but the way you phrase it, the way the examples that you have, the way you've explained it is why it exists. Um, I'm going to let you talk about diet culture a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Diet culture is my biggie. Um, it's something that like, I'm always like, God, I'm going on about it too much on Instagram, but I feel so passionate about it. You know, you know, it's it's difficult to like keep a lid on all I want to say about it. But so diet culture essentially is a belief system um that being thin is the is the best thing that a human can achieve right and it equates happiness success and health to being thin and all the while sort of ignoring and denying any kind of well-being um it celebrates weight loss above all else no matter the means used um in order to lose weight um, it demonizes a certain type of eating while also glorifying another type of eating. For example, dieting is very much glorified. Like if you're being good and not eating much, that's excellent. If you're having a cheat day or, um, you know, you're eating a donut or something that's, you know, typically calorie, calorie dense, then, um, you're eating badly. And it also, you know, ascribes those those moral values to food as well so some food is good and some food is is bad I've, I've got air quotes around those guys everyone that can't see me <laughs> because food does not have a moral value but we'll get on to that um and all this put and, and and also it's um extremely fat phobic diet culture just by its very nature because it requires you know people to be thin in order to be successful, happy and healthy, um, it's really fat phobic and it pushes people in larger bodies to the margins of society. It marginalises them and oppresses them and it really perpetuates fat phobia, which is currently so, so rife in our society. Um, so it, it, it's the devil, the diet culture. <laughs> um and you know you'll you'll see it it's really sneaky as well and over the past like 5 to 10 years it's been like repackaged and sold as wellness right health and wellness um and we've had like so many iterations now of of diet culture i mean veganism as well was was used as and and obviously people have their totally valid and various reasons for for being vegan um but you know at one point that was like the diet culture way to go because you lose weight from it because it restricts so many foods from your from your diet um 
and like examples of weight loss I mean you'll hear them every single day and imagine you in your profession and what you do working with clients day in and day out you will hear a lot of this like god I feel so fat um I've eaten so badly um I look gross or or you'll, you'll hear people say like you look amazing you've lost weight you look amazing right and that's again because we're assuming that thinness equates to good and positive which is not necessarily the case and you have no idea why someone's lost weight yet we just we don't really care it, it's this this belief system dictates that it doesn't matter as long as someone's thin it doesn't you know the reasons behind it doesn't matter the overarching um desire is to be thin at any cost it's interesting that you've mentioned there about kind of like when people are feeling a little bit blur or they say oh i feel fat i feel bloated yeah fat isn't a feeling right so what I try, I put up a post like last week, I think it was. I don't even know what month it is. I'm not going to lie. But I think it was like <laughs> something to do with when like fat isn't a feeling. It's it's almost like a state of self-worth. self-worth. It's you're not happy with where you're at. You're not feeling comfortable because potentially you've potentially overindulged. You could be, as a lady, you could be having one of those kind of couple of weeks coming up to the cycle and stuff like that where you're not feeling amazing. Yeah. And yeah. that could be also be playing a factor. But to say that like you feel fat is not necessarily a proper terminology for it. Right. Because I don't think it's, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's almost like a state of mind in that you're not feeling comfortable in yourself. Your self-worth is a little bit lower you and you're not just not feeling comfortable right now um so it's interesting that I don't know how you feel about that or yeah so so you're right fat's not a feeling um fat is a body type like people some people are fat and you know in recent years they've reclaimed that word it's obviously so laden down with negative connotations and so much stigma but people have reclaimed that word and fat is a body type people are fat and so saying you know we are actually causing damage when we say I feel fat because we never say I feel fat in a positive way it's always negative and it's you know sort of fat is synonymous with disgusting or gross like typically um and yeah it's just it's it's a body type it's it's not a feeling you don't feel fat you you might be fat but we need to get rid of this like negativity to and stigma towards the word fat. And, you know, perhaps you mean, I don't feel good in my body. Like you said, it's a state of mind. I don't feel good in my body. So I think it's really important to, to change that terminology, just to, to switch that out because it's damaging towards people in larger bodies. 100%. And I think wording is very, can be very subtle, but can be very coarse at the same time. Yeah. Like if a subtle change of a sentence or uh, the removal of the negative connotation towards a sentence can have make, make a massive impact on like the happy hormone going on in your head or yeah. your value of self-worth. Yeah. And I think I, an awful lot of people can fall into that default very, very easily, particularly with now because they potentially are spending more time on the like social media they are comparing their journeys to other people they are yeah. like the difference between a fat, fatting a being fat and or having a little bit more fat or a little bit more rolls or whatever like that or being bloated is 
when you are bloated, it's air trapped in your stomach and you can't pinch it. Being yeah. fat is like you're pinching and you can pinch the rolls and stuff like that. As I'm sitting down, I can feel the rolls on my stomach. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the most yeah. normal thing in the world. Right. And I think that needs to, that kind of whole thing needs to be changed that it's okay to have a little bit of rolls. It's okay to feel a little bit so-called fluffy or a little bit tight in your clothes. But what can you do? You can potentially reduce things a little bit if you wish to do so, but it's up to you. It's not up to society to tell you to look at, to say how you want to look and feel. Yeah. And I think it's important to separate out the what from the why. So like, you know, if you feel that way, what you do then, make sure you understand the why behind you're doing it, what behind why you're doing it, right? So are you doing it because your clothes don't fit and you don't want to buy new clothes? Are you doing it because you don't feel uncomfortable? Or are you doing it because we've, you know, we've been led to believe by society that we have to look a certain way and because we're not fitting into that, it's giving us this negative body image and this body image dissatisfaction. And I think it's important to really unpick when you're feeling like that because some people sit, I mean, everyone sits at, you know this, everyone has a different set point for their weights, right? And everyone sits at different weights. And it might just be that your weight sits higher than what you're allowing it to right now. And, And you have to really unpick why you're stopping it from being being that set point does that make sense that makes a lot of sense and i think that leads into i think that leads into one of the the other posts that you mentioned about kind of potentially putting your self-worth on a measurement or a number yeah Yeah. i think i could be speaking out of term but from working with mainly females i think it's mainly females that have had that culture instilled in them and from the likes of those dieting clubs if they work for you amazing but the stats don't lie. It's like 86% of people who go to those dieting clubs. Fail. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that they earn so much money, right? That they make so much money. It's like casinos. Like there's a reason that you know, like people keep coming back because they don't, it doesn't work. Um, yeah. yeah I think it's like, I think it's so, so important to have other metrics for your progress, whatever it may be. It could be a strength. It could yeah. be an outfit. It could be, just general happiness and I think people potentially yeah. push that down ahead of looking a certain way to other people and it's interesting the way you thought about you or you mentioned there and you've mentioned on one of your posts as well about when people are dieting and people are getting compliments you don't necessarily know what the background behind that transformation or change in that person's body has been you don't know if that person necessarily has an eating disorder you don't know if that person has been ill you don't know if that person has starved themselves to look a certain way what tips what tips or advice have you got for someone who potentially when they're getting those kind of compliments or they're getting those comments even to kind of how to kind of deal with it themselves have you have you ever had to deal with that yourself this is tricky I I mean when I was in the thick of my eating disorder I have never ever ever been as widely praised or complimented um ever I mean I had compliments from all around you look amazing how do you do it you need to tell me your secrets you're my thinspo you're my fitspo I've got a picture of you on my on my back seriously one girl said that to me I put a picture of you and it was a picture where I was really really thin I put a picture of you on my um as my screensaver to help inspire me to help push me 
Um, and I wasn't eating. I was eating boiled sweets. Honestly, when I tell you I was like sucking on boiled sweets the entire day, that's the only calories that I was consuming. Um, but people didn't really seem to to care about that. They weren't interested in asking like, how, why have you lost so much weight? Are you okay? Um, really up until my mum did, like that was the first bit of concern that I ever encountered. So it's really hard to give it. I mean, people say to me all the time, you know, I've lost weight because of, let's say, severe anxiety and I'm getting complimented for it. And I don't want those compliments because what you have to realise is when you're complimenting someone like that, you're saying, well, you didn't look good before <laughs> or you look much better than you did now. And actually, the you know, someone's lost weight for reasons beyond their outside of their control it wasn't intentional weight loss right so they're not at their set point anymore so when things go back to normal in their life or when they regain their appetite they're going to go back to what they look like before it's inevitable and it's it's invariable really so you're telling them that it's not okay to go back up to what they were before that they didn't look good as they were before so I just would say to anyone listening just to really avoid like avoid any topic of you look good around weight loss even if you know that that person has done it intentionally because you know going back to yeah they might have really worked hard at the gym and and you know whatever methods means you know it might have been an intentional weight loss but it doesn't mean that they're going to sustain that weight loss because as you said you know I think it's it's up to like 95 people who lose weight through dieting put the weight back on um I think it's 80 something I should have looked at these stats before I came on sorry but 80 something actually regain weight uh sorry put on more weight than when they started um sorry I went totally off topic there but yeah so so people say to me so what what do I say when someone comment compliments me for it and that's really hard it's really tricky because it depends on what kind of person you are as well like I don't like confrontation I'm not really a, a kind of a bold person so I I'm not the type to be like don't say that to me you know and sort of stand up for myself in that way perhaps more so now like you know with my journey because I speak about it so much but it depends on what kind of person you are and how comfortable you feel but I would just reply and say it wasn't intentional I mean and leave it like that and then that's up to the other person to then reflect if you just say oh it wasn't intentional don't say thank you don't say anything else just it wasn't intentional and I think that then pushes it back on the other person to to think "Mm, hang on yeah maybe I shouldn't have maybe I should have held off on that one do you think the fitness industry and the dieting industry needs to be a little bit more strongly regulated yes (laughs) (laughs) what would you bring in or what would you change um I suppose the diet industry is is more you know what I know about the fitness industry kind of seems I mean it seems intense on social social media the fitness industry like you obviously know a lot more than me you're more in that world than me um but the unachievable unattainable and unrealistic stuff that we see is just and these girls and and men look amazing like they look great but I know that you have to dedicate a lot of time um and your life to looking like that right um and it's not for everyone and it's certainly not for someone who has a you know 
who maybe has a full-time job and isn't able to just isn't able to dedicate that time or or money but I think I don't think there's any real way of regulating either industry I don't believe dieting the diet industry makes too much money it's a multi-billion pound and dollar industry it's not going anywhere it's not going to be regulated because it's in no one's interest the people at the top it's absolutely not within their interest it makes them far too much money um to ever put any kind of restrictions on it and i don't believe that there ever will be i think it's unfortunately because it shouldn't be but it's up to us to um dismantle diet culture and dismantle the diet industry from the inside do you think that we can tweak things from an education point of view to the next generation we're regarding going into the schools and saying this is the reality around foods this is the language to use around foods but ultimately they're going to be spending more time at home and if their parents have struggled with their weight their language towards themselves their empathy towards themselves their language towards good or bad foods there is no good or bad foods there's no foods you don't have a moral compass yeah. carbs are not evil um i could go off on a rant on carbs if i really wanted to right now but i won't um but i think like as a nutritionist point of view it really does irk me some of the messages that i get that people are so lost so confused so frustrated and more often than not their frustration is on how others are looking compared to them it's not the frustration with the potentially the education point of view, which needs to be tweaked anyway. Yeah. It's more what they're comparing their their whole thing to. Yeah. And that's the social media that comes back to it. Like, but I, I think something has to tweak in the school. So I know when I was in school, we're roughly around the same age and mm. I never got a lecture in school. Oh God, no. Oh no. And I wasn't even I don't even mean a lecture, because if it was a lecture I wouldn't listen right exactly you wouldn't believe it (laughs) you'd be like yeah yeah but I think yeah I think think sorry um I was just gonna say you know it's it's unregulated in terms of like social media what we consume I mean you know I have a, a quite a large following now no one regulates what I'm saying, you know, I could be talking absolutely out my ass, but that that is totally, and it, it, it's the same for anyone, any fitness guru or wellness guru can say, do fasted cardio or don't eat after 6pm or whatever, and, and the people who follow them, that's taken as truth then, isn't it? Because someone who's got a following or, you know, someone who who maybe has, you know, PT in their in their bio or nutritionist and none none of that stuff is regulated and that's scary yeah it's funny you mentioned the whole thing about PTs as someone who is a PT but also as a nutritionist PTs need to be very very careful they're not qualified most of them are a lot of them are not um really qualified nutritionists right and anyone can call themselves a nutritionist right but you have to you have to go and do like a placement if you want to become a dietitian. Yeah. So that's a little bit more regulated. You get right. you you actually have to apply to a particular school and go into a hospital and deal with that. But as right. I, I'm MNU qualified, so I've worked with Martin McDonald on that side of things. So right. he's coming from the evidence based practitioner side okay. of things. So that's where I get my 
education from, but from working with PTs and from having to almost clean up people's messes yeah. or the PTs messes from, from clients. Ultimately people, people fail diets, but also ultimately the education has to start with who they're going to. And if you ultimately don't challenge your mm. coach or who you're working with on certain ideas, like I've heard horror stories recently about a girl being put on say hundred grams of carbohydrates a day. And this lady was like hundred kilos. I'm like, Oh my god! You will lose weight, but you're probably going to lose your cycle by the end of it yeah. if you continue. And I was, I was delighted after about two weeks. She was like, "Shane, I can't, I can't do this. How do I get out of this?" Right. And I just said, literally, just let's ask for your money back. And he didn't give the money back, but she was like, "I feel so much better. Just even though it's a financial burden, I feel so much better for this." Yeah. yeah. I think cutting out food groups at all needs to be stopped. Like, yeah. if you cut out a food group, if you, I, I value my life too much taking chocolate out of, like, out of off my girls. Of, yeah. out of my clients yeah. I value my life way too much yeah. um, there's no there's, like you shouldn't have to exclude things to get to where you want to go yeah. you should include things in your life you should include happiness you should include memories you should include clothes you should include events you should include meals that you want to go yeah. out Yeah. and I think that needs to be brought in somewhere in the schooling system and I think that's really that's a good point as well like including stuff because <clears throat> you know from if you if you think to yourself that you know maybe you're not feeling healthy and I mean that as in like you're not eating enough nutrient dense food if you think about including those foods then that is going to shift your mentality as a whole towards food rather than thinking well I'm going to cut out all the chocolate all the sugar all the carbs and fat if you just think well hang on I'm going to leave my diet as as it is I'm going to start including those nutrient dense foods and that I think is going to sort of shift, you know, your your mindset and towards a and I hate the word healthy because it's so like wrapped up in 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 the diet industry, but is is going to is going to heal your relationship with food and get you to a healthier place with food. Yeah, I think when people are potentially going on a diet, they're looking to cut things out before they're looking to include the likes of vegetables and fruit and water right. and sleep and yeah. digestion right the, the boring stuff like that's the stuff that doesn't sell it's not sexy yeah because if you're not if you're if you're not sleeping mm. your hunger hormone is going to go into overdrive your fullness hormone is going to go sink it's not going to work properly yeah and you're going to be looking for those more carbohydrates there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates um yeah. more carbohydrate rich foods or sugary foods then you're gonna have this massive spike and then massive crash and you're going to be, you're going to be wondering why you can't get to where you want to go put the phone out of your room yeah start with trying to get some sleep obviously if you've kids it's a little bit more difficult but it still can be tailored if you're aiming for seven to nine hours of quality sleep a night you will probably feel better mentally and i've had to change that since i left face-to-face -face pt right and since then like my mental health i don't have those massive bags under my eyes anymore i yeah. won't go off on my phone after 8 p.m really that's amazing well done <laughs> well that's only probably in the last like since last since lockdown anyway okay but there's the odd day it will sneak back in but the yeah. vast majority of the time i think that's what we need to try and say to people is it's what you do the majority of the time yeah rather than trying to be perfect because perfect does not exist totally and i am so so guilty of this which i swear is like i mean like perfectionists and people who kind of think in black and white um, are more susceptible to eating disorders anyway but that is a hundred percent and that's like 
that halted my recovery as well because I was obsessed with like being perfect about the recovery and if I had a if I had a, now what I look at as just a little setback it was a full-on relapse and I was never going to recover you know I know I know I just went on off on a tangent then but it's something that I think is so important like such an important message for everyone and not just in a recovery aspect or you know a habits aspect but just your entire lives because when you can start to like live in that gray area right and get rid of that black and white thinking you help yourself in just so many ways yeah it's, it, it opens your eyes a little bit more and it opens your your kind of your spectrum for your own health and your mental health when you kind of go into kind of like the more colorful lens rather than the black and white lens that totally. people are, are are stuck in are on either ends at the minute and something needs to be brought and something needs to be changed in order to bring that in the last question yeah. I'm going to ask because I think it's very, very important. I think this struck a chord with me big time was about the idea of throwing out your clothes that make you feel bad. I, when I heard this, when I read this, I was like, wow. Um, yeah. So I'm going to let you expand on that a little bit more. Well, firstly, I have to say that it's, you know, I have to acknowledge that being able to do that, to throw out the clothes and buy new ones um, requires a level of privilege, both with money and also with weight privilege because you know people in much larger bodies don't you know can't afford to do that it's not possible because they just don't have the same access to clothes but um you know talking from me as a straight size woman I kept these size 8 size 10 clothes in my wardrobe for years right and essentially they were there to torture me because what else were they there for <laughs> you know they weren't causing me to to lose weight but they just would remind me every time I opened the wardrobe they would just make me feel bad and when I eventually got to the point where I was like hang on you know why why am I keeping those clothes the answer was because they had a different they had a, a smaller size on the label and I was like but why does it matter why can't I just go up a size and have a different size in my label? And if the number in the label really bothers you, then cut the label out. But keeping those clothes there, letting them torture you and squeezing yourself into uncomfortable clothes as well, clothes that don't fit you just because they say the size that you want on them is like a real sign of like disrespect towards yourself, you know, that you don't even deserve to be comfortable. You're that awful that you don't even deserve to be comfortable in your own clothes. It's just, and and this idea that we need to be a certain size all goes back to what we were talking about with numbers, like, you know, numbers determining our worth. The size, you know, the, the number on the scales, the number on the BMI scale, the size, the number in the, in the back of your clothes tag, none of that determines your worth. If you have to size up and get a bigger size or two bigger sizes or three bigger sizes, that doesn't make you any less deserving of, of deserving of love and happiness and, and worthiness at all. So get rid of those clothes there. That's your past and that's gone. And they don't need to, they don't need to take up space in your wardrobe and also in your head they don't deserve the the mental space anymore get rid of them take them to charity give them to someone else there are amazing websites now where you can swap clothes um for different sizes um and and you can even sell them if you want i don't know put them on ebay or depop you know there's stuff you can do but get rid of them i promise you the hardest thing is getting rid of them but that's it once they're gone they're gone and you won't look back yeah, I, I, I was, I had a 
call yesterday with a new client and one of the sentences that her goal was that she wants to wear her clothes rather than her clothes wearing her and I was like that is so profound yeah um and I was like because she's like I'm fed up having to go out and buy black clothes I'm fed (laughs) up of having to buy three or four sizes too big my jeans the waistbands go and I'm fed up of doing that like she's a busy mom she has four kids under the age of 11 yeah and I'm like when she said that to me, I was like, wow. I was like, it, it, it's empowering totally. when you can get to that point. And I think if you can move away from a label on your clothes, a label on yourself and a label in general and on, on your happiness and on your mood and actually focus on who you are and what you want to be, I think yeah. it will be, I know it's going to be more difficult for people to find that. And we all fall into these, these kind of, down days um some people more than others but it is about just trying to do your best like it, it's as cheesy as that sounds it is literally just trying to look after you because no one else will and and knowing and this goes back to the black and white thing as well but knowing that no no progress no no progress no healing and no recovery is ever linear you have ups and you have downs and you have step forwards and step backs but it's not going to be easy and I think that's like a really important disclaimer to make but it's so worth it I promise you if you can get to a better point with your body it's the best thing you can ever do for yourself 100% Alex I could literally talk to you all day about this because we could easily go off on so many rants so I'm very uh, I'm conscious of your time as well but thank you so much for coming on where can people find out about yourself on Instagram where can people uh go towards the podcast and stuff like that yeah so um uh, on instagram i'm at alex light underscore ldn and the podcast is called the light show um so yeah i just want to say thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed talking to you it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you so much for for coming on alex like that was a phenomenal episode and if anyone has struggled with any of those battles please do please do go talk to someone um a mental health professional a dietitian or whatever it may be so guys, if you've enjoyed this episode at all, please do tag Alex and I up on your story. I'm very privileged to have Alex on because she's such an amazing person, body positive person, positive person overall. And I, I was very humbled and amazed to kind of have her on and get her on. If you enjoyed it all, please do tag us up on your story. Please do leave a review up on iTunes. And guys, thank you so much for, for listening to the episode and I will talk to you very soon.